Okay, how many of us are excited to be here this morning? Okay, yeah. Um, I think this is my first time uh, ministering Believer's Life Church without Pastor around. So it feels a little bit, how do I put it? Um, you know how, I think the best way to, to explain this is like, you know how when your parents leave home, and then you're just around. Now you don't know, like, should we have a party? Or <laughs> we just behave, clean the house a certain way, keep things in order so that they, they see that we're the responsible children. So we don't know which one it will be, but um, hopefully at the end of the day, the task will be accomplished successfully. And yeah, uh, mom and dad will be proud. Yeah, to put it simply. Okay, so very light moment once again. Uh, we will begin. So I'd like to pose a question to you this morning, and it's very a little bit interactive for the just for, for about a, a few minutes or so. So, how many of you consider yourselves successful people, like in your current state? Okay, the numbers are <laughs> okay, but not very, you know, filia. They're not very impressive. Okay, um, so can I just see the hands again? Okay. <laughs> okay, so how many of you are not sure, like, whether or not you're successful, like, you're on the fence, like, I'm neither here nor there? It's okay. Don't worry, I won't ask any further questions. <laughs> okay. How many of you outrightly, like, for you, it's just, I don't consider myself a successful person? Okay. You, you can just give me, like, a short hand. It's fine. <laughs> Like a shy hand. Okay, that's fine. I want to see, though, there are not that many hands up, so I expect to see a little, bit, a little more. Okay, okay, all right. Um, we're getting somewhere, we're getting somewhere. So now, um, when you, for those who, um, these are for the confident ones, because these are the ones that give a yes, so I bet they, they don't mind shouting out some answers. Huh? What makes you so confident in the fact that you're successful? Okay, <laughs> they're going to heaven. Uh huh. Any other? Just shout out an answer. You can shout out anything. Remember, mom and dad are not home, so yeah. <laughs> okay, the Holy Spirit lives in us. I like the answers I'm hearing. Any other? Just shout it. Okay, because Jesus never fails. Let's hear some more. <laughs> what, what What is written, sir? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we've gotten reasons why um, those who have said, the confident ones, huh? those ones in class that are always doing like this, they told us why they consider themselves successful, right? So now, the ones who, I don't know if you, you give me the answers now, because your hands were like this, but but let's, let's, let's try this out. Just maybe one reason, or let me not even throw it specifically to um, the people who raise their hands on the no or they're not sure. Just generally, what's that one thing that you would use as a gauge to con to like assess your success on an, in a very individual level. <laughs> okay, I like that money. Very realistic. Uh huh. Goes. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. As as a married deacon, yeah, Chikwati, <laughs> which is marriage. Yeah. Anyone else? That's that that sums it all up. Eh? Okay, um, so like I said, we're, we're headed somewhere. So, where do we start from? Okay, I'd like us to open our scriptures to the book of First Samuel, 
and I would like to show us something. Okay, First Samuel um, 15. So now uh, we'll read quite a lot um, from this particular chapter, um, but I'll be, I'll be skipping a little in the interest of time. Okay, so I'll start from... Okay, let me just start from verse 1 for the, for the sake of context. So First Samuel um, 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Okay. So, thus says the Lord of hosts. So, um, in verse 1, first of all, we see, we know who Samuel was, right? Let's not take it for granted. Who was Samuel? What was Samuel? <laughs> Sorry? Thank you, a prophet. Of course, he was a person. <laughs> Okay, so he was he was a prophet, right? So God sends a prophet to anoint a person over king of um to, to anoint a person as a king over the people. So this is how it was done in the Old Testament, right? So now the Bible then says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Okay, let me read verse one again because there's something that I want to draw our minds to. So first of all, um, um, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Okay, so this is... Um, these are God's words being spoken, basically. Now, go, this is an instruction. Now, go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they that have, okay? And do not spare them, okay? But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. This is a bit scary because um, I can't, I, uh, sometimes when I'm reading the Old Testament, I like to picture it like if I was there. Like, who would I be? Would I be in the palace? Would I just be a commoner who just features in this category where they just kill you, like, anyhow? <laughs> like, let's get slaughtered anyhow. If you've watched war movies, it just was not fun. So, <laughs> okay. So he says, now go attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, okay? And do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey, Okay, so Samuel, in response to this instruction, or in verse 4, gathered the people together and numbered them in Talem, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. What times were interesting. And so came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Okay, so this man, um, after receiving this instruction, he gathers his armies, right? And he goes into this place where God actually instructed him. Okay, so now I'll, I'll skip... Um, verse 6 and yeah I'll skip verse 6 and let's let's go to verse 7 and see so and so attacked the Amalekites the Havilah um, all the way to Shur which is east of Egypt okay so he took Agag um, king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword now pay attention to this in verse um, in verse 8 it says he took Agag right king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now let's go back a little bit. Let's backtrack to um, verse 3. What was the instruction of God when he told him to go there? To utterly destroy how many? Utterly destroy how many? Okay. So 
the instruction was destroy all, right? Spare not, not an infant, not even, this was harsh because I, according to my understanding, during war, women and children are spared, right? But God was a bit, you know, he, he said even the infants, even the ones who are still breastfeeding, like kill all of them, right? So he said, destroy all. So now he also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword, okay? But Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And were unwilling to utterly destroy them. Which was contrary to the instruction of God, right? So now it says, but everything despised as worthless that they, that they utterly destroyed. So now God gives an instruction here. And he tells them, go to this particular place and do this in this particular way. You know, God sometimes can be extremely specific in the instruction. He can give the instruction in such a way that he, he tells you how to go, what to do when you enter, and exactly how to execute what he wants to be executed, which is what he did here. So God gave a very, very precise instruction of what ought to be done. And the instruction was destroy all, not just man, but every animal of theirs, all their oxen, everything, like just wipe it all out. Like I just want nothing to do with it, right? But then Saul, in his wisdom, decided to do something different. He spared the king, first of all, and he took out what, um, because the Bible says, everything, this is in verse 9, he says, but everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So now, Saul, it was, it was almost like he decided to become a thinking partner with God at the wrong time. Like, God wants us to think with him, right? And this is, this is the interesting thing when it comes to our dynamic with our, with, the relationship, with our relationship with God. There are times when you relate, you know, the way um, it was for Abraham, right? In an instance where he was relating with God and reasoning with God a certain way. In that instance, God gave an instruction and before Abraham acted, he spoke to God right? Now, and look at the distinction because in this instance, Abraham first interacted with God before, before acting on anything, right? Where he started negotiating for his brother, for them to live together, isn't it? Now, in this instance, once Saul received the instruction of God, he leaves first. And then when he gets there to execute what it is that God had communicated to him, then he starts to contemplate. Like, okay, God said we destroy all. However, there are certain things here that they, they look befitting of keeping a certain way. They look like we should, we should just treasure them a certain way. Because it says that everything that was despised and worthless, which meant that the things that he kept were not worthless. They were actually good things. They were, it was like the best of the crop, basically. Right? Now, in verse 10, we, we get to see something. The Bible says, Now, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, um, Take note that this is the very same portion, this very same chapter, eh? like just after he was from being anointed. Eh? Now, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back um, from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now, <laughs> to get to see, first of all, that God. Like, imagine God regretting over choosing you for a, for a particular task. Like, imagine God actually being at a place like, I regret this decision that I made. Like, I regret 
sending you to perform this particular thing because of your utter disobedience. This is what was taking place. And the amusing thing for me about this portion of scripture is not even the fact that so disobeyed because that's really in the nature of, of, of man in certain instances, right? Man in the flesh, not the believer. But yeah, so that's really in the nature of man. But it's literally not even like a chapter away. Like he was just like, just imagine you're from receiving your appointment by the president. The president appoints you like first um, February. Here's a task. Go to Tanzania, do this, 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 this. You go to Tanzania, you received your appointment later, Shani sealed. You go to Tanzania, you come back with a report and he's just like, yeah, I fired you. Like that's literally what took place here. You know, because this was just from the first task or the first assignment that God actually gave him. And he decided to disobey. And God actually said, he didn't just say, I regret. He said, I greatly regret. I greatly. So like this regret was, it was a grave kind of regret. It was not a small kind. Like God was not pleased. He was so aggrieved by this that he greatly regretted this, you know. And, and, and that's the thing. So now, according to, to Samuel, he when he decided to separate these, it wasn't even for his own gain. If we've read it in the scriptures, right? We, we know what it was for. Today, it feels good to be the one standing here and asking these questions. <laughs> okay, so do we, do we know why he decided to keep aside these things? Yeah, what was the reason, Mark? I said yes. <laughs> I had a very, a very good yes. <laughs> Sorry? Aha. <laughs> so um, I think that's in, um, that should be verse 15. Okay. So now, <laughs> so verse 15 says, And so said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, right? So this is talking about the oxen and all those things because, um, yes, because Samuel was asking, he said, what, what is this bleating of the sheep I hear and the lowing of the oxen that I hear, right? And so responds, I'm sure he was confident and very happy in this moment. He was like, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the, and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord has said, right? So now, this guy, like, if you really looked at him, at it, right, reminds me of um, something I had heard a few um, years ago, uh, where I think a preacher said, there's a distinction between good and God. So, like, there are certain things that, in the eyes of an ordinary human being, they seem like the best possible thing to do. They seem like that ultimate thing that you ought to do in that particular moment for you to, you know, like I'm, I'm doing good. It's like how it's not wrong, nor is it unbiblical. It's how, it's like how they'll tell you, for instance, um, why should you give to the church? You can give to the poor, right? The poor are needy, right? But is it, is it good or good? you know, like to not give to the church and only give to the poor. That's um, what I mean. So there are certain things that they, they ideally, they look like the most ideal thing to do in a particular time. But then when you really look in certain instances, because if you didn't know the story, like when God told him and all that stuff, you were just there listening to a conversation between Samuel and Saul. And Saul is there like, yeah, I brought all these things. We're here to offer them to God. 
And you'll be looking at him like, oh, this is really an upright guy because he's decided to bring a sacrifice to God. He's decided to, to secure the best. And if you hear, even worse, um, Samuel in that moment rebuking him and telling him, like, be quiet. Like, this is not what you were supposed to do. You'll be wondering, like, what's up with this guy? Like, pastors of nowadays. Like, why, why don't they appreciate the efforts of people, right? And this is kind of what was taking place in this particular instance where the guy, literally, he missed the assignment. Like, he didn't... You know how I say he understood that he didn't understand the assignment. And he decided to do the exact opposite. And I bet in his books, you know, it was a, a good thing for him. And the amusing thing about this, right? When God despised Saul, Saul didn't stop to reign. Do we know that? Saul didn't actually stop to reign in that particular moment. He reigned for some years until... Um, the throne was taken over by somebody else. So in the books of so he was still king, you know. He was he was. It's like your president. Like you haven't been. Um, what what do they, they do to like for to remove the president? What's the word? Impeached. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't impeached. He was. <laughs> Yeah, so he wasn't impeached. He was literally still sitting, you know, on the throne a certain way. And that's really the thing. So today we're looking. At, I, I've just realized I didn't give you the title. Um, <laughs> We're looking at something <laughs> that is titled Purpose for Success, right? So now, when you look at it, especially when a person is still in a certain position, you know, I had asked earlier on what success is to you, or like if you deem yourself successful, right? Because there are certain instances where men really do look like they're like they're doing fine. Like you're actually doing, like you're the king. Like, what, what more would you want in this life? Like, you have the money, like, yeah, living for free, but just bring you food. Like, you sit, they obey, they follow you. Like, you're, real, you're happening. But then, in the eyes of God, this was utterly different. Like, it was completely different, you know. So, it, this shows us something about how God views certain things, you know. And as men of the spirit, this is why life is more beautiful for us. Because you get to see things from a different perspective from what I like to call the God perspective because you don't look at things from a carnal point of view you don't look at things the way an ordinary man gets to look at things you look at things from the lens of God and it's important for us to investigate certain things as believers and we'll get into something now I wanted to show us um I'm wondering if I have the time I'm convinced I will but okay so perhaps Okay, let's look at one more um, from the book of Numbers. Okay. So let's look at something from the book of Numbers. Another, another interesting guy from the scriptures. Okay. So Numbers, um, Numbers 20. Okay, so Numbers 20, uh, verse 7, another portion of scripture I believe uh, we're quite familiar with. Okay, so Numbers 20, verse 7, are we there? Okay, so the Bible says, I'll start from verse 7. The Bible says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the road, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the road before their eyes, and it will yield its water. 
Thus you shall bring water uh, for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Okay? So um, let's, I'll read um, verse 8 again for just some emphasis. It says, Take the road, you and your brother Aaron. Gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink, for, drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the road from, um, from before the Lord as he commanded, okay? So he followed God's instruction. And verse 10 says, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? He was furious. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their animals drank. Now, in verse 8, what did God tell Moses to do? Okay. And now, in verse 10, we get to see, in verse 11, rather, we get to see something, right? Then Moses did what? Yeah, so he lifted his hand and he struck the rock with the rod. And I think this is something that's been mentioned to us before. Uh, well, we, we get to have an understanding that certain times results don't exactly mean um, that you are successful in a particular thing. So, and this is what happened in this instance. So God tells this guy, like, you go and say to the rock, like, you're using your words, like, speak to it. You know, this is the instruction. And, he's, and he told him, like, take the rod and everything. And the guy started well. You know, in verse 9, he even takes the road, you know, before the Lord. And he goes before the people. He first starts with scolding them, you know, tells them off, calls them rebels and whatnot. And he was furious and genuinely so, if you ask me. Because I think these guys were, like, really annoying. Like, I would be irritated too. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would act like this because they can beat you. But, yeah, I would, I would actually be, be furious as well. And it was justifiable, perhaps. Like, he, the guy lost his temper, maybe. Like, it's understandable, right, for the non-believer. So now... He decided, you know, in his wisdom, he's like, and a backstory, this wasn't the first time this was happening. And the first time it happened, God told him to strike. Now, the second time, God told him to speak and he decided to do the exact opposite, right? But he still got to see a result. Now, there, there were certain people who got away with, with, with certain things, you know, when they maybe disobey a certain way, carry on. It wasn't necessarily the, the case for Jonah. We all know what happened, right? The man was swallowed. People like to claim it was a whale. Others said it was a fish. I think my, my opinion is this, right? I think people want to think it was a whale because it would be more logical. Like, it makes more sense for a human being to be in a whale. Because what fish would a person fit in? logically right so like logic dictates that that it was probably a will <laughs> yeah so like we know how jonah got swallowed by a fish right it was different while like god gives an instruction and the guy just said such like i'm going i'm going the other way <laughs> like he just decided otherwise god swallowed up and you know the rest is history like god was just like if you if you don't do the right thing bro like you're staying in there until until you come correct you know so like god god did that and there were certain instances um like that in the scriptures some were not were not all the same but you get to see uh, one common thing when you read about such men in the bible you get to see that there was like god 
repeatedly gives instructions and oftentimes very specific instructions. He gives the instructions. In certain instances, you get to see the, the results of these instructions, right? Or, or of, um, of you acting rather on a particular instruction. And in certain instances, unfortunately so, you get to see a seemingly successful, successful result even from not really doing what God said, right? Now, I would like us to um, look at something from the book of Acts. Okay. Today I'm watching my time like a hawk. Okay, so from the book of Acts. Another question, by the way. In the Bible, specifically, very specifically in the Old Testament, who would you consider as the most successful guy? Abraham, uh huh? Solomon, uh huh? Who else? David, uh huh? <laughs> okay, I hear Paul is also in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've heard, um, I've heard Abraham, I've heard Solomon, I've heard David. Okay, let's get these three. What was the common factor that made them successful? These three guys. Was it the rocks? No? <laughs> Wisdom? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I acknowledge pastor. Okay. Uh-huh. So what was the common thing about these, these guys? Money, right? <laughs> if I be, like, don't, don't feel shy. Money is not a bad thing. You guys make it seem like money is, is ungodly. Like, 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 <laughs> You need it. So it was money that was a common factor, right? So we could say like, okay, these guys did pretty well for themselves. Well, the, the guys are the Dema, G-Wagon, Filiama, Bentley, my Porsche, yeah, my mansions and whatnot. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, those three guys stand out. I won't ask in the New Testament because life was a bit, seemed rough, like, in a certain sense. But um, I would like us to look at something from, um, from the book of Acts 2. So from the book of Acts 2. Now, I've just, I, I won't be able to make reference to, because there, there are multiple that we can have a look at um, from, from the book of Acts. Um, I think the early church fascinated me, um, like, or fascinates me, rather. Like when you read the kind of life that they lived and how, how given they actually were to the work of God, um, how given they were to, to ministry and how, I think when, when you ask me about men that died to self, um, I like to consider the early church as such, such men and women, you know. And I was thinking about it and how I was thinking like, imagine if after Jesus left, the people that he left um, with certain responsibilities, because he didn't leave them just doing nothing like dormant, right? He left the what we know as the first church, they had certain things or certain works that, were, that were, they were supposed to carry out. Now, imagine if 
after Jesus left, these guys just decided and said, nah, like, I don't think, I don't think we can, we can really carry out this work. Like, imagine if they didn't minister the gospel the way they did. Imagine if they were not as radical as they were. Because these, these, these guys were martyred for the sake of the gospel. They were literally killed. Like, you get to see records about how they were stoned to death, like, for the sake of, of their faith. They weren't allowed to gather in certain instances, right? But because of their faith, they literally hid, you know, to gather. They in prison, they carried out the work. Like, literally, whatever, like, give them any location, they'll thrive. That was the mentality and the mindset that they had, right? And now, I like to think of it certain times, like, if these guys just decided to have a laissez-faire attitude towards the work of God, where would you and I be? Like, where would we be without these, the scriptures, the epistles that were written, what we have gotten and what has become scripture to us. Like, where would we be if, say, like nobody decided to write the book of Peter? Like, what would we be using, like now, as a reference? Like, imagine if all that we had was just the Old Testament alone. Like, we didn't get to see the life of Jesus. But somebody was bold enough to just say, like, I'm going to write these records. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to write letters. I'm going to encourage. Because, you know, when you, when you read especially the letters of Paul, and um, like after, yeah, the letters of Paul and, and these guys, you know, you get to see that what, we've, what, what was adopted or what became scripture, where like, it's like, imagine um, we're in those times, right? And maybe pastor is dragged out like on a Sunday, like someone just comes, like maybe in uniform and stuff, a man just comes, points a gun at his head and just drags him out. And next, like the, the following day we gather and we're just like, we really don't know what to do, guys, because our man of God is gone. And then he decides to just be poetic and writes letters to us, you know, and says the epistle of, of, of Kebi, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's literally what that was. And, like, we receive this letter, Deacon Agri comes and says, like, guys, like, there's hope. Like, he's written a letter for us. Like, he's okay. Like, it's not that bad in Chimbokaela. And, you know, like, he, he reads this let the letters to the church because he was encouraging the brethren. He was telling them to be strengthened a certain way. Or sometimes he would send a letter to um, another part, maybe, like, to the Corinth church. You know, he would send a letter to them and tell them, like, I, I know, like, and, and that's, that's, that's why the Holy Spirit is just amazing. Because even, like, despite where he was, he was able to address what they needed to hear at a particular time, right? So he sends a letter, they read it, and, like, they are compiling these, these letters. They are compiling them and compiling them. And, like, today we look at them and, like, this is scripture. Like, this is what scripture is. Now, imagine if they didn't have that tenacity. Like, imagine if they were just, like, that man that just says, for me... I just want a job in the government. Like, I'm just, I just need a salary, like a 15 pin. I'll just buy my plot and like, you know, yeah. I just, I'll go like on picnics or, and like just, you know, vacation with my family every so often. Like, that's my dream. Like, I can't be suffering like this, you know. But like, these guys decided to have a different approach. Now, let's look at something um, that's um, Acts 2. Okay, I'll start from, I'll start from verse Verse 42. Okay. Verse 42. It says, And they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This, this, this was the church. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Okay. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now look at verse 45. It says, 
and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. In verse, verse 46, the Bible says, so, continu so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from, from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, remember the selflessness I was talking about or like the giving of themselves. Because in verse 44, the Bible says, when you know, they had all things in common. And verse 45 said, they sold all their possessions and goods and they divided them among all, you know, as anyone had need. So these guys never had a mentality of amassing wealth to themselves. And please don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having wealth or anything like that, right? And it shows, like, verse 46 fascinates me a little bit because it says, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Like, life was not that complicated. Like, their measure of a good life was not that complicated. Because the Bible actually says, you know, it was with gladness. You know, to, you, you can't fake gladness. Like, you can't, you know, fake gladness. Like, I, I wonder, because if you really put me, like, in a dome, like, I'm living with, like, 40 people, like, on a daily basis, I wonder what my sentiment would be like would i do it with like gladness of heart like you know sometimes i just like to introspect like in these situations where there's there's nothing to your name like there's absolutely nothing to your name these guys like they they just decided to be selling it was so so bad like oh it was like their selling was so rampant like hey today Deacon, Deacon daniel has sold his house tomorrow now you know the other day it's flora and then angelina out of pressure with her husband just says even us let's go we'll sell but like let's keep like a little something because like money is important god will understand then god just does like a quick one on them you know so like it was that serious that they were even feeling peer pressure to like give a certain way to be given a certain way like forsaking certain positions now Oftentimes, and especially in the times that we are, success is viewed very differently. Um, you gave me three names, right? You gave me Abraham, Solomon, and David, right? Who were, they were pretty wealthy guys. Um, they, they had the money, like they had lots of it anyway, right? And if you look at them, you'd be like, I'll probably want to be, to be this guy, like to be like this guy when it comes to like wealth and all those things. Or I don't know who you would, I was in... Um, uh, was that Lilai the other day? Certain part of Lilai that I've never, I've never explored. And I saw yards. Like I was like, eh. <laughs> well, oh, like I thought we all live in Lilai. Like oh, that's that's dust here and there. You know, like you know why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You enter, like you drive into a yard, and you you reach, you talk to someone, and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to the other side, but we can't walk because it's far. I'm like. Huh? <laughs> We enter the car, like we can walk, but like it's a bit far. So enter the car and just drive, like it's one yard, just driving, like in the yard, <laughs> one, one, one portion to the other, right? So like when I look at such, I, to be honest, that's admir admirable for me. Like I, like to have that is great. Like nothing wrong with it. And like you, you see, yards. Yeah, the other thing, Saturday also, um, I saw a video. Like someone was walking their camels <laughs> in Zambia, like walking camels like yeah so like we have money right so like money is that thing that i bet when you really think about it it's like if i had maybe a certain amount of, of wealth or like 
for I hear the pressure is a bit higher, like when our gents, eh? So like the gents think like maybe I need to be established a certain way, a job that gives me this, a side hustle that gives me at least this, a car, you know, Mama X, and I don't know what's trending now, but yeah, a car and all those things. So like we look at these things and you measure your success based on those things. Or in certain instances, you look at another person, maybe you're in the same class, they just look like they're doing better. And you're asking, like, what, what formula is this guy using that I'm not? Like, we went to the same school. Like, we graduated together. He doesn't even have rich parents. But he's just doing fine. Like, so what's really the difference between him and I? So, like, many different people gauge and assess success differently. Now, the way God deems a person successful, as we saw from the scriptures that I had alluded to earlier, is very different. God's view of success is very, very different from how man views it. Now, last week we were looking at um, how Jesus, you know, is actually our prototype. And even when you get to see the life of Jesus, you get to see a different way of success or a different way of living life. And God has different assignments, different things that each and every person ought to take up. He gives many responsibilities or um, he places what, what we all call purpose for a particular individual. And the expectation is for you to fulfill purpose. Now, there are unfortunate times when a person may lose sight of what purpose is to them. You know, for one reason or the other. You know, the world just is happening and um, maybe you're looking at the other guy and it's just not looking the same. And I think I, I, I listened to a short clip where the only words I remember with this, a certain, a certain man of God was speaking and he said, just because somebody is doing better than you doesn't mean that you're failing. And in certain instances, our view of success is like we have a yardstick, right? Of what success looks, looks like. And at times your yardstick is based on perhaps your peers or that person that inspires you or like, the goals that you've set, like before I get to 30, I should have this, I should have this, I should have this. And in a lot, a lot of cases um, than, than not, our success is highly or heavily tied to possessions or what it is that we can actually amass. But that's not God's view or God's idea. Now, let's look at something from the book of 1 Timothy. Okay, so 1 Timothy 4. First Timothy 4 and verse, uh, we'll start from, from verse 12. Are we there? First Timothy 4 verse 12. Okay. So now the Bible says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word. Now I'll pause for a bit. Because um, when you look around you, apart from pastor who's like 50, um, how many how many of us like I'm not even asking you to raise your hand but look around you do you think there's anyone who's like 35 in here if you look around <laughs> apart from the married men <laughs> is there anyone who looks like that 35 right so sometimes we like when it comes to ministry or the work of God or like the life of a believer um, a common disqualifier we saw it even in, in, in the scriptures where people say I'm too young you know, like they won't listen to me because I'm young. But now here, there's uh, someone is being admonished, right? It says, let no one despise your youth. So there were youths even in the Bible. You're not the first youth. So please be a responsible youth. 
Okay, so let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Okay, so till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Now verse 14 says, do not le- neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. And verse 15 says, meditate on these things. Now, maybe before I read um, verse, verse 15, verse 14 says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands um, of the eldership. Now, we have an understanding that within us, God has placed certain things. He has entrusted us with certain things. Um, I, won't, I won't read it, but we know the parable of the talents, right? We know it, eh? This one at least, it's not from, the, it's not from Samuel. So we, we know it, right? <laughs> okay. So we know the parable of the talents where God gives to each person, right? Accordingly. So he gave some five, three, and yeah. So he, he gave them different talents. And he expected of them to do something with the talents that he placed within their hands, isn't it? Right? So now, um, here we get to see something. It says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. So it's actually possible for a person to be gifted. Because if there's a gift in you, it means you are gifted. But then it says, do not neglect the gift in you. So there's a possibility of neglect on your part, despite you having something that's been de- deposited in you by God. So God has deposited in us and there's an expectation of us to sort of like harness what's been put. Like if something has been placed in your custody, neglecting just means putting it aside and not paying any mind to it. So whether it gets ruined in the process, it just gathers dust or anything really, like you don't care because you've just neglected it, right? So now in 15 it says, meditate on these things, okay? Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. I find this very interesting because God, like, it's, it's, it's like, first of all, we get to see that progress is evident, obviously, right? So you can see, if you're using money as a yardstick, for example, you can see that, okay, this one has bought a Benz, this one lives in Chalala, yeah, the other one lives in Salama Park, not, not to hate, I also live in the Lilies, so, <laughs> yeah, so like, you, you can tell, like, okay, maybe you can at least assess with the physical eye that this person perhaps has made some progress in a certain way, right? Now, the Bible says, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident. Now, giving attention to what God has entrusted you with actually guarantees you progress, Like that is where there's a certain way that you actually get to move and make progress by giving, paying attention to what God has placed in you. There's a way that, you know, you ought to give yourself to the things that God has has, has given to you. And that's why earlier, you know, I asked again, I'll, I'll, I'll keep reminding you um, of how we answered those questions, right? How do you, do you deem yourself as a successful person? Do you deem yourself as somebody who, like, do you consider yourself as one or are you not sure? And what exactly are you using? So for us as the believer, it's different. We, we don't, we don't just live the Zambian dream and end there. And it's okay. If you're, like you can have the Zambian dream, but let it not be it. Like surely your whole life like the essence of you can't just be about a job family and that's it or like making money 
repeat and like that's it. Like surely there's there's more to life for you as a believer. Like there's there's more to there's more to you. Like I think that's the best way I can put it. There's actually so much more to you because God has entrusted us with 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 something. God has placed within us certain things. God has placed within us, you know, things that we ought to 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 do. And um pastor has been teaching us during um midweek services, I think apart from last week where we had a wisdom session, uh, we've been learning about um, certain gifts. Very specifically, we've been learning about spiritual gifts, right? And he's been taking us through them. And those are some of the gifts that are in us. And apart from that, um, maybe let me let me open um, the book of Mark. So that perhaps we can answer a question or two that may be in your, in your maybe someone could be asking, like, what, what exactly is, is this, this thing? So we'll just give a very, the most basic, um, not the only one. But we'll just read from, from Mark 16. Um, I'll read from verse 14 and 15. Okay. The Bible says, Mark 16, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. There were 11 because one was a Judas. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe um, those who had seen him after he had risen. Okay, so Jesus appeared to the disciples who had remained. And verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'll just end there. Now, um, especially for that, for those of us who are in a cell and actively attend cell. We've learned about the evan- evangelic uh, ministry of the believer, right? We have? Yeah. So we have already an understanding that of the fact that for us as believers, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel, to minister the word of God to someone. Um, it may not be on a microphone. It may not be um, in a church per se, but you have the responsibility to preach to someone. So let's start from there really. Um, because uh, pastor likes to say, if you want to know what your purpose is or like what God has assigned you to do, start from the scriptures. You know, don't, you don't have to go on a mountain for like seven days to inquire and like really find out because you, you actually have a starting point. And the moment that you begin to walk in this, you get to like God begins to unveil or unfold more and you get to see more, right? So that's our starting point, isn't it? So we're uh, doing what? Preaching the gospel. So now, um, in this preaching of the gospel, that's the first thing. And like I said, they're not the only things that we've been entrusted with, right? So God has given us his task and we're supposed to carry out this mandate. We're literally on an assignment to carry out the mandate of spreading the gospel. Remember I asked earlier, like, or I was maybe thinking out loud, what life would have been like if the apostles never preached to you? never preached the gospel or if the apostles weren't bold enough to do the things that, that they did you know perhaps you and I would have never really had something you know tangible to like call the gospel isn't it so now that's the starting point for us as believers there's the the mandate where we all fall in and in addition to this there are certain things that as you grow in the faith and as you fellowship more with the spirit of God God begins to reveal certain things to you and he begins to communicate certain things to you right um so let's, we're starting from there. So now we're going back to, to Timothy because that's where we were. So that's First um, Timothy 4. Just like to place um, some emphasis. Okay. So now I want to read this for us from um, 
from verse 15, uh, from the message rather, not from verse 15, but from the message translation rather. Okay. So now the Bible says from the message, um, so if you don't have a message translation or a U version, this should be inspiration. Okay, so now um, the Bible says, and that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and in use. So keep that dusted off and in use. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see your maturity right before their eyes. Now, my focus is on this part that says, cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. Okay. So now, we're actually being told here, like, the, the neglect. So the, the, the message actually shows you, like, dust them. Like, use them. When something is not in use, it's gathering dust. But then for what God has placed in you, don't let it be dormant, child of God. Like, don't let it just sit in you without yielding anything. Like, don't let it just be in you and just amount to nothing. Like, God has placed these things in you and we're being told to do something. The Bible is saying, um, pay attention or cultivate these things. Like, meditate on these things. Cultivate them and ensure that they are, you're doing something with them. Now, let's look at um, 2 Timothy. Um, 2 Timothy 1. Second Timothy 1 um, and verse 6. Okay, so rem remember in 1 um, in Timothy 4, um, he's being told not to neglect the gift of God that's been placed in him. Now in 2 in Timothy 1 and verse 6, it says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. So now, <laughs> you know, let me give something that I know. All Zambians, you drink Zigoloa. You, okay, you know what Zigolo is. Okay, I, I, we don't drink, yeah, but like at least they drink. Yeah. So, yeah, so we know what Zigolo is, huh? Do we all know? Or in Zimbabwe, there's also Zigolo, huh? Yeah. So now it's just a sugar solution, right? So now when you get, especially if it's cold water, so you get a cup of cold water and you get a spoonful of sugar. When you pour that sugar in that cup, um, if you don't do the, the thing that we, we do it, right? We do. You just get the cup and put it like in your mouth. What does it taste like? Right? So now when you get your spoon now and you begin to stir, once you put um, the sugar in it, it goes to the bottom and settles huh? and just sits. So if you leave it there even for two days, I'm sure you've rinsed the cup of Ziggy before and you found sugar like at the bottom, isn't it? Especially for you that use three tablespoons. So now you find sugar like at the bottom. But then if you get a spoon and you stir, like it could be gently or vigorously. In the end, what's, what's taking place? What's taking place? Dissolving. We want to... <laughs> Yeah, so dissolving is taking place. So the sugar crystals are, they're blending with the water, isn't it? So the next time that you sip it, what does it taste like? <laughs> it tastes like sugar water. Yeah, <laughs> so it tastes, it tastes sweeter. And this is what we're being taught. You know, in, 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 in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, it says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. So now it's an instruction for us as believers. Whatever it is that God has placed in us ought not to be dormant. Whatever it is that we've, we've been entrusted with, whatever it is that we have in our custody, we stir it up. So now it's as though you're getting a spoon 
yourself with that solution and you're mixing until you see something happening. Like you're mixing until you see this gift of God come to effect or come to work. And um, the, the, the thing is this also, you know, when something is, has been dormant for a long time, maybe I can give an example of like a car battery, right? Um, uh, yeah, for I, I think... I would like to trust a good number would, would understand this one. Yeah. So like a car battery, for instance, if a car has been off for maybe like a month for a bad, a not so great battery at least. So a battery, a car has been off for like a month. When you start um, your vehicle, what, what normally would happen? Like when you try to start it? In most cases, it won't start, right? And then in certain instances also, like in the cold season, maybe if your car has been off for like, maybe like two, three days, right? When you turn on the car, do you start driving immediately? Yeah, so you let the engine warm up for a while, right? So like the engine runs. And that's what like a steering is for us, you know, as, as children of God. So like something has been dormant and you now make a decision to steer, right? To stir something up and you're like activating it kind of. Now, you may be wondering like, how exactly do I, do I stir up these things? Like what exactly? am I supposed to do or how is this steering done? So now the first thing, which I bet you've, you've guessed correctly, are right, we're on the right track, we're together. So Jude, Jude 20. You were right, right? Yeah. <laughs> I knew it, you are men, men and women of the spirit. Okay, so Jude, um, Jude 20. It's like pastor came and then time just went. Yeah. So like I said, now, now dad is back. So like you can't really, <laughs> I, I can't summer. So <laughs> okay. So now um, very, very quickly, I'll, I'll read from, uh, from Jude one twenty. So now the Bible says, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the, the things, one of the important things for us to do um, as believers is praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, there's something that, I think if you speak in tongues, you know. Like there's something that just takes place when you just spend some time speaking in tongues. And like when it comes to stirring up certain things, you know, for the believer that prays in the Holy Ghost. And like if you don't pray in the Holy Ghost also, this is not to discourage you or to mean that you can't stir up your gifts. It's just that you must desire it and beyond desiring it, you must also begin to walk in it, you know. There's something that um, praying in the Holy Spirit does for us as believers. It's like you're warming up your engine in the morning. It's like that cold day, the car needs to warm up a bit and that's what praying in the Holy Ghost actually does for you. It charges you a certain way. It builds you a certain way and it stirs up certain things on the inside within you, you know. So like that stirring can actually take place, um, can actually take place by, by, by engaging in such things. So now, because of time, I'll just quickly um, mention maybe one or two more things, right? Okay, so um, another thing is actually what we're doing right now. Fellowshipping with their brethren. There's a way that... Yeah, another example, an easy one. This one we know. You've bebered a mbaula before. Yeah, so now, you know when they tell you at Kapuka... Right? Yeah, go and get some fire like to light your brazier. So now you have your cold brazier. You got the neighbor, say, you go there with your spoon, you remove three coals, you put on their brazier, you go back home. So now all you've gotten 
from there is like maybe just two very hot pieces of coal, isn't it? And you've placed them now on this brazier that was just black. But then you get to see something start taking place. Like slowly, as you're kind of like fanning the flame, right? In fact, even if you don't find it in certain instances, just put a hot piece of charcoal that's together. You get to see that the next one has started getting a bit red. This other one is looking whitish, whitish. This other one is also, and then suddenly now the whole brazier, which was black, is now red hot. That's what takes place when we come together as believers. You know, when we come together in a manner like this and we gather a certain way, there's a steering up that takes place. You know, you may see... Um, for instance, maybe Deacon Agri, there's, there's a way that when, he, when he's just giving you like a word of knowledge, a certain way, yeah, you're being stirred up and a desire is being birthed in you because of that fellowship, because of being together with the brethren, because of being in such settings. And that's why um, I won't even get into this because earlier on, um, Deacon Daniel had made mention of Hebrews, right? It says, it showed us that not forsaking the coming together, you know, of, 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 of believers as is the manner of some, right? But exhorting one another. Like, there's something that takes place when believers gather. Like, of course, we sometimes we have like our online meetings. That's also like a gathering. You know, we have our personal times of prayer, our personal times of fellowship with, with God and all, the, all those things. But there's an importance that we can't overemphasize this. And we can't also undermine the importance of coming together because there's a steering that takes place. The things that you, that, that, that thing that we're, we're from looking at in Timothy, you know, the way that you don't neglect it is by coming together in this manner. You know, you come like this and there's something that's stirred up on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Okay, so now very, very quickly, I'll just, I think I'll just be referring you to like a podcast that pastor has done uh, for some of these things. But another thing is communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Child of God, there's no one who can reveal to you what God has placed within you than more than God himself. Like even, even pastor himself can't reveal like the way that God can reveal it to you. And there's a way that you ought to fellowship with God for you to be able to hear his voice a certain way. There's a certain attentiveness to the voice of God that only comes by fellowship. And <laughs> the, the thing is, the world is, um, it's loud, like not in terms of noise, but there are a lot of things that could potentially distract you from hearing God a certain way. These days you have like social media, you know, all you need sometimes like sit on TikTok, um, sometimes just open one video, by the time you're scrolling, you check your time, it's been an hour, right? I'm sure certain people have experienced such things. Yeah, so like you just scroll a bit. Sometimes it's on Instagram. You find yourself in reels, one reel after the other. You share with your friends, you kikiki and whatnot. And by the time you're looking at your watch, like it's been an hour. Sometimes you get, you find yourself in a rabbit hole on YouTube. You know, you look at this device. Oh, let me see what this other guy is saying about this, this review. Oh, let me see this other guy. Oh, let me see, let me see. By the end of the day, you've, like maybe you've opened this up, this up, this up, this up. It's like five hours is gone. You know, there are so many things that could draw you away from the voice of God. And yet it's the voice of God that is able to lead you and guide you and show you exactly what you ought to do in this life. It's the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit that, that is able to reveal, reveal to you who you really are, to put, it, um, to put it simply. So now, if you, for as long as you don't give attention to the voice of God, you don't pay attention. And this is a very deliberate act because even in silence, you can miss God, like even if it's quiet and your phone is off, right? So like, 
it doesn't mean that if you just put away your social media then you hear god automatically but like there's an attentiveness that we ought to give you know to the voice of god and it's through communion through fellowship with god a certain way it's through getting to know him and relating with him that you get revelation of what you ought to do and you know the the more that you you pay attention the more you hear him the more you decide to deliberately hear him the more you hear him the more you like are aware of the fact that there's a god who speaks and there's a god who speaks to me you know you get to hear him more so fellowship or fellowshipping with the spirit of god is another way that you actually stir up these things and um i won't be able to go through everything but the final one is the word of god um which again i'm sure we're together on this one now the word of god again is like it's literally like a mirror we are beholding or like yeah looking at the scriptures and as we look you know we get to see us through the scriptures and we get to reflect or be transformed into the very image of what it is that we're looking at so the word of god is extremely extremely important you know in getting to have a proper revelation and a proper understanding of what god is saying you know god's definition of what you ought to do you know where you ought to be how you ought to move you know the things that you ought to do you know god is he's very he's interested you know and he's interested in revealing these things even more than we are in knowing them you know so god reveals these things through his word he reveals them through his spirit he reveals them in ti- in times like this when we gather like this he reveals them even when we when we pray in the holy ghost a certain way now like i think our take away from today you know should be a redefinition of what success is to us as the believer you know remember that i'll make reference to last week's teaching remember the fact that jesus christ is our prototype so what did jesus deem as success the life that jesus lived what did he deem as success you know when you look at people like the apostle paul for instance and we draw inspiration from them you know paul was able to very very confidently say i've i've fought the good fight you know faith i've run my race you know he said like i've finished like here on earth and i i don't i highly i think it's it's very unlikely that paul was looking at whatever houses he had at the time and saying this is what made me successful or that he was looking at the money that he had in his i don't know if our accounts long time ago or they put them in chests underground but whatever mode of of keeping wealth you know i highly doubt that that's what he deemed and once again i'll i'll leave you with just one portion of scripture that's from second peter uh 1 verse 3 2 peter 1 and verse 3 okay i'll start from 2 The Bible says um 2 Peter uh 1 verse 2 and 3. The Bible says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3 says as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Okay. So now the Bible shows us that God has actually through his divine power he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, if the measure of success for you is in things, then I guess you've reached, right? You've reached, right? Because the Bible actually says he's given us all things that pertain to life. So now whatever thing that you could think of or imagine is it fits in this all because all like the Hebrew translation for all is actually all 
you know. So now it's like that's literally it. Like we have everything. Like whatever it is that we could think about, he's given us everything. So if success is measured by things, then we've arrived at where success is. But if we establish that success is not a measure of what you could amass or what it is that you could actually give, then surely there's a different definition of it and we should, our desire or our urge should be to discover what God actually says success is and to work or move on that trajectory of what success is according to God. Hallelujah.